usually usually it's between 30 and 40 minutes as your standard colonoscopy. In my experience of having 20, I'll tell you, it's between like 30 and 40 minutes. Guess how long it was yesterday? I'll tell you, I'll tell you, an hour and 20 minutes. Honestly, like... And, and, um, and honestly, watch the Mighty Ducks. That's what I was saying. I was like, I could have watched a film in this time. And you know, like I hate to be graphic, but twice, I, 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 two points in it, I had to ask for more lube, which I've never ever, <laughs> I've never had to ask for before. <laughs> bop, bop. No fucking context. <laughs> That's just it. Twice I had to ask for more lube and just go straight into the fucking episode. That's it. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. God, all you need is just one person to not tune in. And, you and it throws you off completely. Yeah. I was just Always like, who's... <laughs> Unless I hear I'm Joel, I forget my own damn name. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week we conclude our Guilty Pleasure season, which has seen each one of the Films on Trial gang put a guilty pleasure of theirs on trial. This week it is the turn of Aussie, who has chosen the best film about children's hockey. It's The Mighty Ducks. Is it like a duck to water or is it skating on thin ice? Essentially, will this film be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list? Now, you should all be very thankful that I didn't go down the lowbrow route of rhyming something with duck or puck because I had a lot of material there. I bet you did. I can think of only one. (laughs) (laughs) There is, Aussie. There is only one. (laughs) But before we go on, our last film on trial was the 1995 action drama Backdraft. Ozzy, you judged that trial and you deemed that the film should be placed on the hit list. The correct decision, some people might say. You've since gone away and you've watched Backdraft. What do you think? Do you think you make the right call, yes or no? I'm going to say it's definitely the best film about firefighters I've seen this year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I thought it was all right. I I, uh, I think there were good arguments on both sides, which I could totally see after... After having been given the arguments, and then I think it helped me to to sit all the way through it. But I loved it when I was a kid, and and that was one of the things that the arguments came up that Alex was throwing is that I was I think I was watching it for a very different reason, and I'd I'd remembered it in 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 weird ways. Um, you were looking, so at, really you were cool watching it for now. arson tips, were you? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think I mentioned to you guys that you know, I, I, I seem to remember it as the fire was the baddie and it was some sort of animal. And so it was good to see it as an adult and really understand the story, you know, what little story there was. But to understand <laughs> the NPC together was a bit of mystery rather than a, um, than just a weird, you know, a film about fire. So, so I actually and enjoyed be both, that. <laughs> and that's that's the beauty of the film, really. So I think I put it on the right list. It's a good film. It's not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination, but it's an entertaining watch. Um, you've just got to be willing to get on board with the. It's got an ulterior motive, and that's to celebrate firefighters. So as long as you're happy to to enjoy that, then then yeah, it's a good film. I think it's a good. Ulterior motive in, in, in that case, then. And I think what would have been. Unless you're an arsonist. 
And that's true. Why aren't there enough films about us arsonists? But for me to make it a perfect film, I would have had Kate Russell play every role. <laughs> Not just two. Every role. <laughs> 40 roles, damn it. <laughs> and that procession of firefighters at the end would have been like 6,000 Kate Russells. Kate Russells. <laughs> they didn't have the technology, Gav. They just didn't. They couldn't do it. At the risk, at the risk of jumping ahead into the film. They kind of missed the trick in this by not having... I thought that by having Kerr Russell play dad and son, there was a nice bit of continuity. So so I, it, that was one of the negative points. Well, maybe one of the only negative points of The Mighty Ducks was that they didn't have um, Emilio Estevez play his dad. That was... Is his dad in it? Well, I, I thought you were going <laughs> to... I thought you were going to say you wanted Emilio Estevez to play the young six-year-old version of himself. <laughs> put on a backwards that baseball cap. <laughs> Just walking around on his knees. But he could have played his dad in the, in the dream scene. He, he, could, he could have, he could have. Uh, I thought you were going to mention that, you know, it would have been a shame not to have Kate Rustling, considering that he was in his own great hockey film but i won't go on too much about that in case that's a quiz question later on anyway as mentioned before this week's pick is aussies and he has chosen the 1992 family comedy the mighty ducks aussie briefly can you tell us why you decided to pick this film I just have uh fond memories of it as a child it was similar to alex where he said that he picked backdraft because it's the sort of thing which maybe not that you go back to and watch again but I had nice memories of as a child. I'm I'm often telling people that Mighty Ducks is is one of the best films on Disney, even though I've not watched it for many many years. But I thought if it's worth the um, it you was just, worth you a just shot. Flip it into the... conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like, like how often people well, are talking about? Have you been to the theatre recently? No, I haven't been to the theatre recently. Oh, uh, have you... <laughs> hey. I don't know if you have something called Disney Plus. If you've got Disney Plus, check out but the Mighty Ducks. Called the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> you will not be disappointed. <laughs> By the way, I'm really sorry for your loss. <laughs> uh, anyway, mate. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ozzy. So, on to the trial. All of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random, apart from Ozzy, of course. And all of today's insults are descriptions of different types of ducks, as taken from the home and gardening website, thespruce.com. So, acting as defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list is Ozzy. And Ozzy is just like the wood duck, known for his spectacular plumage made up of bold colors. He has an aggressive personality and will chase others away from his food. <laughs> <laughs> and joining Ozzy in defense will be me. And I'm just like the golden eye duck, easily recognizable due to my big head and bright yellow eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and acting as prosecution. What, sorry. And yellow skin. <laughs> and yellow skin. <laughs> and acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be Alex. And Alex is just like the stiff tail duck. Known for his stiff tail, he will often display it either angled or vertically as a breeding or territorial display, especially to warn off other competing males. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Now, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though. So do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear what they really think. 
and in the role of judge who has to decide which list this film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him, is Dave. And Dave is just like the tufted duck, distinctive due to thick black feathers that cover all of his body. <laughs> he is a monogamous creature who is known to engage in a brief courtship display that includes head bobbing and synchronized bill dipping. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. I knew it, Dave. I knew <laughs> it. <laughs> bill dipping all the way. <laughs> now, before we get started, I think that we should probably give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is about. And even though it's redundant this week, we're still going to do it. We're going to spin the Wheel of Impressions. So what we usually do is spin the wheel impressions. Whoever it lands on has to do the impression in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. We're not using the wheel technically for that because as it's Ozzy's pick, Ozzy's going to do the impression. But how would we like him to do it, guys? It, it's not a cast or character and it doesn't make sense, but, but Donald Duck can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to hear Donald Duck if that's the case. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Warm the voice, warm the vocal cords. I was thinking of uh, the other duck, I can't remember it was, but yeah, okay. <laughs> All the way, Ozzy. All the way. <laughs> I can't do it. You can, you, can, you got it. You can. You got this. Come on. Come on. It sounds like you're trying to drink a pint of milk. Okay. Well, oh, uh, nice attempt anyway, Ozzy. It's all right, Ozzy. Oh, it's all right. Good it's effort, good effort. Uh, unfortunately, Dave, uh, that may not, I'm just going <laughs> to guess here, may not have been a bit of a description for you as to what the film is I don't know. What, what, what about sums it up, to be honest with you. I think I'll stick with that. <laughs> I can do a summary, though, if you want. Okay, yeah, let's get, get, I'll take the so summary. So we kick into the summary? Yeah, so... just get, you lead into it. Okay, so Emilio Estevez is Gordon Bombay. He is... Um, like a hotshot lawyer, he wins at any um, sort of any expense. Basically, he'll pull all the lowest tricks in the in the book to win. It's it's high flying, and then he gets caught out by the police. He's so cocky. Uh, he gets done by the police for being drunk, uh, DUI, and then he he gets out of the DUI through like technicalities, all this sort of stuff, and he upsets the judge. Basically, the judge and and his counterpart go to his boss, and they say, "Look, he's." He's trouble. He's causing trouble. The Mr. Duckworth um, agrees. He says, you know what, uh, Bombay, you need some time off. I've cut a plea deal with the judge and um, you've got community service. So you're not allowed to work for me for a while. You've got to go away and um, your community service. And the community service is for you to go and coach peewee hockey. And and that's sort of the setup for the whole thing. And he, this Gordon Bombay, he's... You know, he doesn't want to do it. He's haunted by these ghosts of his childhood when he used to play peewee hockey. When And you find out pretty soon that he lost the winning goal in a championship shootout. And it's, it's a major, major 
uh, tournament, and it's the only one that the team he played for has ever lost. You know, it's the runner-up. Um, so, so basically, he ends up having to go and coach them, and he's coaching the worst team in the league. Um, so, he, so he's there, and he doesn't want to do it. Rocks up. Kids don't respect him. He doesn't want to do it. Nobody, nobody loves anyone. Eventually, he um, gains the respect of the kids, and he he relearns. He goes to visit his old like mentor, and he he, he relearns the love of the sport, gains the respect of the kids, teaches them how to win, and then um, he manages to turn this gang of ragtag losers into the mighty ducks. Um, builds the team. These 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 guys, they you know they're all. From the the poor of the poor, worst worst area of the of the of Minnesota, and yeah, they um, basically they get to the final. They manage to qualify for the playoffs, and they are uh, they're against this old team, still coached by the coach that, that haunts him, and um, he gets to face down his old uh, his old ghost, his old haunts, and naturally they um, they pull it off, and um, they do it well, and they do it you know in some some real style. You'll have. You'll know the uh, you'll know the chant because all of the ducks now have uh, have adopted this, and that's how popular a film it is. So the, the quack the quack quack is due to this. You know, prior to nineteen ninety two, that was uh, never heard of. Yeah, I, I, I remember quacking. ducks used to walk <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> Just remember when he used to go feed the ducks as a four year old, and they used to growl at you. <laughs> and then the film yes. and then Mighty Ducks well, came out, and everything was all right. <laughs> They all, got, they all watched the Mighty Ducks and were like, that's fucking great. Let's the whole it. film was a PR stunt for them, basically. <laughs> well, well I mean, that, that's kind of it. It's why I couldn't really remember how to speak like Donald Duck because he was pre, pre-92 and he, he never learned <laughs> <left> to quack. <laughs> okay, thank so you, That's a summary anyway, mate. That's, that's a, a nice summary. That's a nice summary. Um, I mean, there's not really anything for anyone to come back and argue with you against there. Why is this a good film, though? Um, Ozzy or Gav, I don't mind which. There you go for it, Gav. I, I see summed it up. There's lots of great things about this film. Ultimately, it's the story, as Ozzy said, is a rich douchebag. Sorry, not as a rich douchebag, of a rich douchebag. <laughs> Although Ozzy is a rich douchebag. It's a <laughs> film about another rich douchebag who <laughs> has this... <laughs> Are we talking about Emilio Estevez now or Gordon yes, Bombay? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Gordon Bombay. Yeah, Gordon, the character Gordon Bombay. He has this fall from grace. And then the story is essentially about his redemption arc, helping an underdog junior sports team become a cohesive unit. And they all learn about friendship and other important values along the way. Although the story may be a familiar one, it stands out as one of the best for me. And this is due, similar to the Ducks themselves, to great teamwork. You've got Stephen Brill, who does a great job with the script, taking all the right boxes with an underdog sports story whilst also including some real heart and lessons on personal growth then you've got the director Stephen Herrick who paces the film incredibly well balancing emotional elements slapstick and also action then you've got David Newman who plays all the right notes in the right order providing a score that is part Disney family adventure part patriotic sports drama and the cast exceptionally deliver here even the costume designer grainier preston does a fantastic job creating an iconic image for the team the film was not just a hit with audiences at the time but also a big financial success as well grossing over 50 million um, worldwide on an estimated 10 million budget and then became one of disney's most successful video rentals at the time making over 54 million in rentals alone 
So because of that, a sequel was commissioned straight away, and then the film ends up becoming a franchise with three films, an animated series, and most recently a 2020s Disney Plus series as well. And we're talking about a film that was so popular and financially successful that a year after the release of this, the Walt Disney Company funded a real Mighty Ducks hockey team, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, and a brand new arena, the Anaheim Arena, was constructed for this team. They had a 98.9% attendance capacity across the first season, and the team's merchandise shot to number one in sales across all NHL clubs. The team would eventually go on to win its first Stanley Cup in the 2006 <laughs> to 2007 series. The, the, the prosecution is willing to concede that Disney has an incredible marketing department. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of it's course. Not, it's yeah. not films marketing on trials that we're doing here. They're, they're I'm, I'm going to chalk that last bit up to uh, useful facts for the yeah, listeners yeah. No, as opposed to ammunition what i'm saying is amazing about this it's it's just remarkable to think about just think think about it today in, in 2023 it's like creating a real life richmond greyhounds football team based on ted lasso and then they're not only quickly establishing themselves as a credible and financially successful club but then going on to win the premier league within just over a decade you know it's a it's an amazing Excellent. story that all mm-hmm. started with this incredible popular film it is it is uh that is remarkable to be fair whether that you know is is a credit to the film or not i'm not sure but it is remarkable admittedly uh quick question for what what it's worth this is actually the film that made me want to ice skate sure (laughs) i remember gata karozzi are you sure it was this no i think you could be thinking a sudden impact with jean-claude van damme (laughs) i'm not i'm not sure um also quick question ozzy i was making some notes here and i've underlined this really important point uh gordon bombay bombay duck coincidence question mark <laughs> well, i'd never considered it but it works on so many levels and that's i guess it does i'll tell you i'll tell you the the reason for the name right here this is just a side note mm. so the writer that i mentioned Stephen brill he originally wrote it as a serious drama and it was played up more about the coach's alcoholism. And I, I shit you not, the reason he's called Gordon Bombay is because they're two popular brands of gin, Jeez. Gordons and Bombay. <laughs> <laughs> so coincidence, yes, is, is the answer <laughs> to that one. He was hammered when he wrote that. And he just looked at what he had on his desk and was like, okay. <laughs> That'll fill in or something. His name's <laughs> Bud <Yeah>. Weiser. <laughs> his name's Pencil Bottle. <laughs> Come pencil bottle <laughs> uh, Alex we've got a few good points there I got the story from Ozzy and we've got a few facts about the film from Gav yeah. uh, what's your take on this I I just question is that there's a whole bunch of the premise that I find very difficult watching this I think and I don't know if this is true in America but if it is true I would question the wisdom that if you're caught drink driving in America you're then put in charge of child <laughs> marketing <laughs> That seems an odd way to be putting it. People so desperately not trying to like look after children or like look after or help them to coach that they have to go for like (laughs) felons and people who are like irresponsible drinkers. It seems an odd thing for me, you know, in my background of like, you know, looking after children and saying that seems something that you would not because not 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 in spite of a criminal record. Because of a criminal record, <laughs> you're put to work with children. I, I, I mean, it's, it's a petty criminal record, isn't it? <laughs> true, <laughs> true. Drink, drink driving, though. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it seems... Anyway, 
I struggled with that on a personal level. <laughs> I also think, you know, at the end of the film, Gordon Bombay is getting on a Greyhound bus to leave to go into the minor leagues or something like that. But my own personal thing is that he's getting on that Greyhound bus to skip bail because there's no <laughs> there's absolutely no way if he goes back into court right if he goes back into that court and yeah you know he could show this film or something like that but these are some things that the judge or the the prosecution the da could bring up with and would be all facts they would say we've we've got reports that you shouted repeatedly at the, at the hockey team over many many times that you endangered their lives by driving onto the ice and let them get into a car <laughs> with you that you encouraged poor behavior in school and that they were cheating on the hockey ice that you took a child from a team in which they were very happy pulled them over and then put them and allowed that child to be bullied within your own <laughs> hockey team and did nothing to stop the bullying. That same child was about a week later hospitalised under your care. And, and as the kicker, you, you slept with one of the mums. You went into a sexual relationship with one of the mums in the hockey team. Right. And that, you know, I think Gordon Bombay has seen this coming down the wire and thought, I, I better skip town here. You know, he's not going to the minor leagues. You know what I mean? He's lost his job. He's absolutely hit rock bottom and he's, he's, he's out of there. So personally, I struggled with I struggled with quite a lot of the pop points. Uh, <laughs> really. I, I will concede that it seems very unlikely that a guy who hasn't played hockey since he was nine or ten is allowed to go and try out for a pro <laughs> 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 pro hockey team based on his, his record of coaching children. I will. I will <laughs> that. No, it's it's based on his own junior league experience and qualities you know so come on guys you're scared around the issue here and also i might like to add that golden bombay was given 500 hours of community service okay and there's 42 games in a, a standard junior hockey league so that's at least 42 hours done there so let's just say that's another 10 games that's 52 and then you imagine training as well and now we're into, and the fact that he's probably been run, running the clock when he's been spending time with charlie's mom as well <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Point that on. that's a, a service to the community he does think well of himself doesn't it gordon bombay um <laughs> But like to, to look a bit more at the film, I just think this is, you know, it's just so by the numbers, this film, you know, you've seen it so many times in all the different films that are about, you know, underdogs and hockey films. It's just not very interesting. I don't like a lot of the stuff that's talking about losers and winners. It gives a little nod to, you know, sometimes like, oh, you know, go out there and have fun. But really, a lot of it is about winning. And really, the difference between the Ducks and the Hawks, who are meant to be this evil team, it's just a matter of perspective, really. I don't really see a lot of the difference. I don't really like the character of Gordon Bombay. I don't believe his change of heart. I don't think he has a redemption arc, really. He seems to just flip between not being a very nice man to being a very, 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 very nice man. And I'll be honest, I don't really like the Ducks. I don't think they're a particularly nice bunch of kids. I don't think they're very nice to the kid that comes in to join to them. There's not a real nice heart to them. And they're, they're, very, they're, they're not very nice to each other. So... I don't really feel like the ducks learn anything in particular. I don't think like they get any better. They're not, I don't think they're particularly nice. So yeah, I'm not really behind the, it's quite a boring paint by numbers, you know, they, they'll win at the end. And I didn't really like the, the messages behind it. I think it is a lot. I think it is a lot of like, come on, win, you know, 
if they'd lost at the end and it had been about Charlie had missed that last shot and it had been about, doesn't matter if you lose, it's about, you know, brilliant. I'd have been all over it, but it just goes for it. it has its cake and eats it a bit, the, the Mighty Ducks, and doesn't do anything particularly interesting while it's stuffing itself full of cake. Got an image of a duck stuffing itself full of cake. Right no, doesn't end well for the duck, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, some uh, interesting points from Alex there. Estevez is a crim. Is my first point I've written down there. He made some interesting points about Gordon Bombay there and the character and the general development of the characters or lack thereof. Yeah, not particularly likable characters. The message is about winning, which yeah seems a bit of a sour way to uh, to have a redemption arc in a, a, a film about kids overcoming the odds. Guys, what do you think? I, I disagree, to be honest. I think Alex might have accidentally watched D2 or even D3. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> like, I, I, I think that it isn't all about winning. In fact, there's a really good part of the film where Ozzy was mentioning it before. You've got, on top of Gordon's redemption arc, you've got this bit where he rem- remembers about missing that shot because he used to play for the Hawks himself and he missed this critical shot. And it was during a very difficult year of his life. His dad died unexpectedly and he was feeling obviously very down and hockey was the only thing in his life. There was a lot of pressure put on him and he missed this shot and then he had a horrible year basically. And that made him become who he is. He's really reserved. He keeps his emotions close to his chest and that's part of his redemption arc. And a great part of this film for me is that we see that behavior mirrored within Charlie. We mentioned before, Charlie's a player within the team that Gordon gets has a relationship with his mother, but he also develops a really strong relationship with Charlie himself. It's almost like a father-son relationship. And Charlie has the same issues. Charlie is living without his dad. He also has confidence issues every time he gets the puck he'll fall over or he just he has he has a complete lack of confidence basically and gordon coaches him throughout the film and when it comes to the the penalty shots it's the final game it's the hawks versus the ducks they need to score this penalty gordon takes him aside and instead of mirroring the behavior that lane smith's coach of the hawks said to gordon all those years ago about you've got to win this don't let me down don't let your dad down this is the most important shot of your life you need to make this he's he's, he's, instead he's supportive he instills confidence in him he encourages him and he says listen you know at the end of the day we're we're here to have fun if you miss it it doesn't matter just try and do your best and that is the right attitude to have about this. It isn't just about the winning. So I think Alex has missed a key part of this. In that critical part of the game where it's win or lose, Gordon, he could be like, get this fucking shot in or else. But he's like, you know what? Just go out there and have a good time. And I think that's really lovely. And I would also counter what Alex was saying as well about the, the Ducks. I think that they're the best part of the film for me. It's like... You've got this, uh, well, I think it's very difficult to write a script where you have enough likable and or relatable characters with arcs and backstories, enough to fit an entire hockey team, which is about like 11 players. Then you've got the main character and then you've got non-Ducks sub-characters as well. And I think that some of these are more fleshed out than others. I think on the whole, the scriptwriter does a really, really good job. And one of the best parts for me is the Ducks themselves. They go from this squabbling group who were just thrown together because of where they live to becoming an actual team that look after each other. There's a really good bit in it where he says, 
when you're a duck, the, the, well, the reason that they call them the ducks basically is because all ducks have each other's back. That's why you never see a duck in a fight because all the other animals are afraid of fighting a duck because when you fight one duck, you fight all of them. And that's something that they learn then. So later on, when there's an issue in the classroom where one of the kids is being picked on, all of the kids get involved. And that shows that, look, we've all got each other's back. We're all in this together. And that's that's a really important element that is developed throughout the film. It's all about teamwork. It's all about friendship. And it's not just about winning, but it's about being together and enjoying yourself. Looks are vicious creatures as well. They're <laughs> constantly attacking each other. We're not, we're not saying ducks are good role models. But... <laughs> uh, and Ozzy, over to you. Anything you'd like to raise on those points? I, I was just kind of back up on the um, the thing about, you know, Alex was saying about the, the, the whole thing about the winning is evil vibe. And, and it completely isn't the the message it's it's kind of a win if you can win because it's nice to win but it's not the end of the game you know the because that was what he, he had wrong and that was his redemption piece he was trying to he was basically trying to teach them the way he was being taught when he was a hawk and he was forceful it was win no matter what you know and the way he was doing it dealing with his 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 law practice it was win no matter what happens and that's the redemption that you see from him is understanding that actually there's more to life than winning. You know, you shouldn't win uh, at, at the point of being unfair. You meant to do it by the book and, and have fun through the way. So that he he regains his love for hockey, and he teaches that to the kids. And it's that teaching of them to the kids is when they start to to have fun again. And I I think that generally, like Emilio Estevez comes across really well. He he does a great job uh, of the transition, and he does a really good job. Just generally, of you know, you, I think you can genuinely believe that he's a he's a shit at the start, and um, I think it's nicely, it's well cutted. The the action scenes are good, you know, the actual sports uh, scenes are really well done. They've got got very good skaters in to to show the transition when they're when they're absolutely useless, right through to when they're playing the the Champions League game, basically at the end, and um, like it's the early nineties, so it's got that great soundtracks, you know, that whole nostalgia and retro vibe. And um, I don't think it's actually aged. It, it, it does. It doesn't feel like an old film that you're watching. It it could easily have been created sort of yesterday, with a view to looking back in time. I think I think it's gone really well. It's, it's everything that people are trying to capture these days from a popular film or a popular uh, a popular show. Okay. Thank you very much, man. I want to go over to Alex now, give you a chance to come back on any points there you might want to do. Uh, and also, I want to hear about cast and characters. This is something we, we normally discuss at this juncture in the film. So, Just a few things. I think, you know, they were talking about the character arcs and things like that. I think this film's a bit stuffed, full, full of too many. And I think it gets a little bit, I think it's a little over complicated in certain ways. You know, this as, as I just want to come back on when they're saying like you know the the message is good about losing, they only have fun when they're winning. They don't experience joy as a hockey team through loss. There's no there's no kind of like coming together. It's only when they begin to win does that you know it's, it's it really is in the film. You only see them enjoy themselves when they've won a game. You don't see them sort of enjoy things just for the love of hockey. It's said. I'm not saying it's not said. But, you know, when, when like, and it is a nice moment, I think, when Emilio Estevez says, you know, I believe in you, Charlie, win or lose, I believe in you. 
Well, honestly, I don't believe him. I think there is quite a lot of pressure he's putting on Charlie, to be honest. And I think if Charlie missed the shot, I think he would be in the same position, exactly the same position, I think, as, as Emilio Estevez. I don't think he's taken that. I don't think, I think that pressure to win is, is still all the way through the film, no matter what the characters say. You know, for example, the, the focus on hockey is, is all the way through. You know, uh, Gordy's got this haunted memory because he missed this winning shot in the same year his father died. And it's like, which one are we looking at here, guys? Do you know what I mean? We 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 seem to be focusing on the why why is his father died that year? You, why is that seems an odd, an odd thing for the film to do? Because really what we're talking about here is at no point does someone say, Gordy, obviously you weren't worried about the shot, was it? Do you know what I mean? It was your dad died. Gordy. Well, Alex, you if you would have watched the extended version of it, you would have seen the, the, the shot missed talk. the goal and hit his dad on the head. <laughs> <laughs> they were actually directly linked. Uh, so, you know, at no point you would have thought like the, I can't remember the actor who plays the um, the old hockey guy. Oh, what's his name? He's gonna Lane, Josh. Lane Smith, the, the, the no, coach. No, no, the, 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 uh, the hockey store owner guy. Josh Ackland. In, Josh yes. Ackland. Yeah, yeah, the guy who's in Lethal Weapon. He, um, he, you know, at no point does he say, hey, you know, Gordy, should we talk about what's really been upsetting you all these years? Nope, it is hockey. No, it is it is the hockey shot, apparently, that's been upsetting him. Uh, you got Charlie's background and the thing with his father brought up, not really explained. You got Gordon who cheats in his job as a lawyer and then he begins cheating with the team and then that never goes anywhere and that's over and he's, he's never going to cheat again and that's that's never talked about. You got the relationship with the mum that is barely sort of put pieced together. Um, you got a kid that's taken out of a team and then brought back into the team who doesn't really fit in with the rest. Again, not really brought, not not really brought out. And I think the, the main thing in the film is you've got a film, you've got a, a team that isn't very good that becomes instantly very good. And I, and I think that's there's your film, mate. Do you know what I mean? That's 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 the that's the part of the thing that we need to talk about: bringing them on, getting a winning atmosphere, getting a you know a growth, you know, an idea of losing or winning that that's the entire bit of the film as well as gordon's change of heart which is just an instant instantaneous one so the film sort of seems to stuff itself for all of all these little sort of like fluffy bits of plot points and you know some nice slapstick and stuff like that but it sort of it really quickly goes over what you would imagine would be the the main chunk of the film which would be the team becoming a good team and gordon's change of heart as the manager of the team and it just you feel a bit like I feel a bit cheated, to be honest, just being like, all oh, right, well, that's that then. He's he's a great person now. And we can't um, we can't really discuss that. Cast wise, I don't think I think the kids actually do a pretty good job. I wouldn't say any of the kids are particularly terrible in this. I, I would say the cast are, are fairly good. You know, Emilio Estevez, I think, does an OK job with what he's got. I do think it's an, it's a shame. I've forgotten his name again. The guy who plays the, um, the hockey manager, the hockey store. Joss Ackland. Joss, yeah, I cannot remember his name. I do say Hans. He plays Hans. Just say Hans. <laughs> I think it's a shame because that role was written for Max von Sydow. Can you imagine how good Max von Sydow? So the the entire time watching that film, I was just like, it should have been Max. But I just think because the because the characters are so predictable, it does a few weird things, which is a bit nineties. Like two of the kids start holding hands at the ends, and I, I don't like it when they start doing that in films. Um, a lot of the <laughs> why I don't know it's just weird. <laughs> Do you have to go into them having a you know like I don't know. I just seems, but they, 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 there's been glimpses of them forming a relationship throughout yeah, the film. Know, and it's just odd. I don't I don't like it. Um, don't like young love. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Uh, I also think the um, you know the characters of the kids 
not particularly well fleshed out. You know, they're they're poor kids because they they wear leather jackets and they they talk in a, in a funny. You know, it doesn't really go into their poverty or anything like that. So we don't really get any of the interesting parts of the ducks. So I would say generally cast fine, but characters it's you're just in a paint by numbers film. There's not really anything for your characters to do. There's not really anything for Emilio Estevez to do because he plays the first part of the film as not a very nice man. And then he just plays it as a, as a really lovely man, the rest of it. And that's the same for, for, for pretty much everyone in the film. I'd give a shout out. Someone I really enjoyed in it was Lane Smith. I like, I really liked him as the coach on the other side. I liked him a lot. <laughs> um, but the rest of them, what to do you know not much to do just turn up and you know this is a scene where you're nice so be nice and, and that's it I don't, I don't really feel like anyone did anything special okay thank you very much it's funny you mentioned um the role of hans being written for max von Sydow. you just reminded me of something when i first watched this film which actually this wasn't a part of my childhood i actually watched this for the first time fairly recently um and i remember cat loved it as a kid and i, I Joss Ackland appears on screen and I know him from sort of like Lethal Weapon, Miracle on the... I know him as a villain and I'm like, oh no, Joss Ackland's here. Look out, <laughs> yeah. look out, Emilio. And she's like, he's Hans. He's lovely. It's like, <laughs> Hans! And then, <laughs> and then you, see him, you see him like giving all the kids hockey equipment. It's like, oh no, what's he, what's he done to their equipment? What's he done to that? He's probably sabotaged the hockey skates or something. Like, well, no. I've got him, I've got him saying, he's saying diplomatic immunity. And yeah. <laughs> I can't get all, it's testament to how good a villain Joss Ackland makes, yeah. but it's, I can't get that out of my head. But um, that, that will not form a point of my judgment on this. It's an interesting point that, yeah, I, I was convinced that he was in some way sabotaging the Mighty Ducks <laughs> all the way through. Like... All the way through. I was like, there's going to be, he's going to be in league with Lane Smith. Something's going on here. But yeah, I was not proven right. Might have been a better subplot for you, Alex. You never know. There you go. Hans, Hans was a bastard all along. But, um, on that point about what Alex is saying, the cast sounds pretty good. There was no real criticism of the cast. They all do a, a reasonable job with what they're given. Shout out to Lane Smith, who actually seemed to do a very good job. Everyone else is fine. Everyone does all right. Um, and yeah, a few things. You have too many subplots, really, that don't go anywhere. Uh, padding, I believe we call it. So any points on that? Gav, Ozzy, anything you want to double down on or counter? I would firstly like to counter Alex's point about Emilio Estevez. The way he's talking about it is like he's some evil shit who is, is being underhanded and playing dirty tricks in his job. That's not the case at all. No, he is in the first part. He's cheap, no, he isn't. Yes, he is. No, he's looking. He's looking at loopholes. Essentially, it's like you could say Martin Lewis is a cheater because he finds he finds that, all that loopholes. A facile comparison. On the <laughs> so, like, he, I, he, I, he I finds... work for a law firm, and I'll tell you now, the guys who find loopholes don't tend to be good guys. This, <laughs> he, he is. He, he is a good guy. The thing is. Is, is that he's just obsessed with winning because after his dad died and he missed that shot, he's filled that void in himself with this <laughs> after need. After dad died and he missed the shot. <laughs> and he missed, and he missed the, well, you know, the, the thing is, is that sometimes when you experience a traumatic event, you, you need a win. Yeah, no, you know, but sometimes you, you won't actually accept it or you... You, you, you disbelieve. You, 
no, no, but the thing is, is that you concentrate all your energy and you focus on something else. So to him, that missing that shot was probably more important because that was within his hands. That is something absolutely. that he had the power to control, whereas his dad died, he couldn't. Absolutely. It would just be great if at some point someone could point that out. <laughs> but really you, 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 you just know that. Point that <laughs> out. you want them to spoon to feed you? Like... And just say, you know, should we talk about the trauma? No, no. I, I, I think that's. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. You don't need somebody to say this is. This is why he thinks that this was more important than his dad dying. And the thing is, is that he's filled this board with the need to win. He'll win at any cost, and that's a whole part of his character arc. It's him learning within himself that he doesn't need to be the winner all the time, and that you know it is okay to just to lose sometimes or to just enjoy the actual taking part of it and once he learns that he can instill that in the team and that's what he does and so it doesn't it isn't just a case, a case of like he's an evil shit and then he's a great guy it's of him sort of slowly realizing that he doesn't need to be this ultra competitive must win guy he can be a little bit more actually laid back and, and think about the, the the taking part instead of the winning as for the kids, I think Alex has been pretty harsh. As I said before, it is very hard to write deep established characters for like 11 to 16 hockey players. And I will admit that some characters are better written than others or have more time dedicated to them than others. But what is the best part of this film for me is the performance of the child actors, including Joshua Jackson, uh, Sean Weiss, Eldon Han Henson and others. These are really likable actors that bring the characters to life and help the audience instantly connect with them. So, you know, they're on the screen for like the first minute and already like, yeah, I really like these kids. And that... <laughs> what? It's like fucking Home Alone the first time you're introduced to Ke Kevin. You, you don't think like, mm, I'm going to need some time to uh, get to know this character. <laughs> instantly you connect to them. And I think that that, that is, is incredibly well done here. Uh, Lane Smith, Alex mentioned before, just brilliant, brilliant at playing this, this nasty, manipulative, controlling guy who's actually really subtle in, in, his, in his nastiness, really. It isn't sort of like this over-the-top villainous performance. He's just really subtle with this manipulative, gaslighting behavior. And, um, and then, you know, yeah, I will sort of, except what Alex is saying. I do think that some of the plots could have had more focus on them. I do think that the character of um, Charlie's mum, played by Heidi Kling, could have been better fleshed out. That whole sort of like love story between her character and Gordon Bombay, it's nice, but it, it just could have had more time focused on it, could have been better developed. But if you would have done that, then maybe the film would have been longer, maybe other elements of the film, the whole underdog story, the main part of the film would have been compromised. And at the end of the day, that is the part of the film that, that you've signed up for. You know, you, you're watching a sports film about a kid's underdog team, overcoming the odds, becoming the best. That's that's what you, you want to see. Thank you. Got a quick point, Alex? Not underdogs, though, because they, they start off rubbish and then are instantly very good. No, they're not. They, so, they, they get beaten 17-0 in the first game that first Coach Bombay then, has them for. And then they go really, really good. So I, I, They start making one. slow, progressive steps and the next one they draw. They, May I finish? They, they draw May, one I finish? May I finish? May I finish? I just think the, the flip to them means that they're not... You don't see them... I didn't see them as an underdog. You see them then as like competitors. They're the best. They're going to beat the Hawks and all of the stuff like that. I don't, I didn't get the sense of them as true underdogs. And I think that would have, if they'd kept that sense of 
they're not that good and there's like problems and stuff I think that would have been a, a stronger film but I didn't get that sense I think they flipped to an extremely competent team hey, thank you very much and Ozzy come to you for your thoughts on this it's a shame really so I think that Alex has missed a little bit of the point getting caught up in 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 some of the things which obviously upset him because it, it you know upset there are, well, it, it obviously is upsetting you because of the no. way that kids are treated. Well, is it because when you were in charge of PE, Alex, you couldn't get that group of lads together to be a really cohesive hockey team? I, I couldn't be Bombay. I <laughs> wanted to be, be Bombay. You, to be Bombay. <laughs> you had to just settle with the drinking problem. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, like, like I, I think it's a very short time because it's a kids' movie, so there's not a long time to really to delve into all of these these uh you know very serious issues and I, th I think yeah it would be nice to have a a more dramatic film where we deal with the the death of a father and 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 how that impacts on a child's life but like gav said that you can link the two you don't need to be to be told and kids don't actually need to be told they can they can see beyond what's what's you know what's shown to them that they understand feelings they can totally grasp that that the, the the feeling of losing the match can be conflated with um, or, or compared with the loss of a father, and it's that you know they, they it's not dealt with so much because it's a light-hearted film. You don't want to 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 dwell on that. So so I don't think that's as much of an issue as as the lasting impact, and it's touched upon by um, by the, the the store owner where he's where he's explaining. You know, this is what you used to be like. This is what you you did it because you loved it. You 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 loved hockey because you loved your dad and you loved playing hockey when your dad was around. That was the whole thing that brought him back to a time just before the miss. And that's when that, that was the redeeming arch. And I think that's a really nice way of telling the story. It was a really good touch. And then, yeah, you, you very quickly brought, brought over to the fun and shenanigans of, uh, of them picking out all of their kits, you know, and you've got all of the, the hijinks that comes with that, that kids, you know, kicking each other in the, in the goalies to test out the cups and all that sort of stuff. I think it's is really nicely played upon. I think that just sort of shows some good sort of directorial choices made to to keep it lighthearted and 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 for its target audience. It's a really nice popcorn watch, um, and and I think it's really well cast. Ah, it's a there's not much more to you know. Gav's really really hammered home for the defense for me here. So. Okay, thank you very much. Anyone got anything they'd like to add or should we draw this to a close? Gav? Gav? All I'm going to say, right, <laughs> is that I think that not only did this film's initial reception, franchise expansion and real NFL team creation result in a, in a great film, but it has this lasting legacy that proves that if it looks like a hit list film, if it quacks like a hit list film, that it is a hit list film. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice touch, nice touch. Uh, and are we good, Alex? Anything to add? Who gives a shit about pee wee hockey? Nobody, like nobody. <laughs> well, not in this and, country. But... <laughs> and this film doesn't lean into that at all. It just takes it. It takes the winning and losing of pee wee hockey very, very seriously. And we've got to take it. You know, it's the be all and end all of life. It's changed. Gordon's life, it's it's overtaken some some what would arguably be bigger life events. It's taken on a it's on a monumental thing in in his. 
And, you know, I just wish it could lean a little bit more into the sort of absurdity of it. You know, the idea of Emilia Estevez's character, Gordy, still being haunted by missing a shot. That's quite funny, I thought, at the start. And it just, it doesn't know. It just takes it quite itself quite seriously. It could have been quite, it could have just been a bit more lighthearted, which is exactly what The Mighty Ducks was. And I wish it wasn't. I just think, personally, the, the focus on the win, 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 win even though it's sort of doing this like little, oh, well, you know, it's only if we play, but let's win. And they do win and they only ever win, really. Then, I don't know, that that takes away the, the good feeling that I think I would have had from a really nice Mighty Ducks film. Okay. Thank you very much. No quiz this week, is there? Uh, no, no, I have a quiz. You do have one. Oh, I was reading one the, the chat. And I was... I, one of the reasons why I was a little bit uh, quiet in terms of arguing is that I was putting together a quiz to make up for my my lack of preparation. Uh, <laughs> okay, you know what? This is good, Ozzy. I'll give you points. So you were making up for your lack of preparation in your argument by slapping together an ill-prepared quiz. <laughs> well, we will see how, yeah. yeah. Either way, I'm just trying to make this entertaining for the audience. <laughs> that's like that's like pitching up to fly a plane and the pilot saying you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna have today off you, you the co-pilot you can you can take the lead today <laughs> and on so, so uh this is all about um hockey in films primarily hockey in films um so starting with famous canadian music hosts they um Wayne Campbell and Garth Algar. Uh, they're big, big hockey fans. One point, if anyone can tell me the team that they are fans of. Um, oh. And maybe to make it a little easier, they are Wayne's World. The Ch Chicago Penguins. Close. I don't know what city they're from, but mm. they are the Blackhawks. And then you can oh. have a bonus point if you can tell me what phrase do they shout if a car gets in the way of the hockey game. Game on. Oh, no, yeah. game off. Yeah, yeah. You can have both, yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, Mr. Gilmore in one of my favourite golfing, second favourite golf uh, film. Maybe my third favourite golf film, actually. Um, <laughs> Thinking about it. <laughs> behind, behind, uh, behind Tink Up and... Uh... <laughs> I love Tink Up. Pushing Tim. No room for Legend of Bag of Vance in there, Ozzy? <laughs> Oh no, that's uh, that's further down. That's going to be open. Ozzy, it genuinely makes me happy that you like Tink Up as well. Every now and again, about every two or three years, I just get a real, real feeling that I want to watch Tink Up again. Just watch it, yeah. So anyway, it's a great film. Extra point for Alex. Javi Gilmore, he gave up hockey to try and pay off his grandmother's tax bill. Uh, but what team, what hockey team does uh, does Happy Gilmore support? Bam. Whatever the one in Boston is. You can have that. It's the Boston Bruins. And an extra point, if anyone can remember the number that's on his jersey. Ooh. Uh, I think it's double figures. 14. It's double figures. Ooh, it's close. It's a little bit higher. 15. 16. 18. Sorry. <laughs> you did well. And like a half a point, if you can tell me, who does he beat in the final? Shooter McGavin. Shooter McGavin, yes. <laughs> And then a little bonus point here about cartoon ducks. Which cartoon duck once ran for president of the USA? Is it Scrooge McDuck? It is Scrooge McDuck, which I find <laughs> odd because he's Scottish. 
Yeah, he's not. But he wasn't born in the United States, was he? Well, neither was Donald Trump, was he? Wasn't he born in Scotland? <laughs> um, and then uh, another, another, another maybe sports-related duck question. In 1996, which duck helped Michael Jordan fend off aliens from trying to take over the world? Daffy. Daffy. It was Daffy. Daffy. Yeah. Daffy. Yes. And then um, in my third favorite Angelina Angelina Jolie film. <laughs> 1995 computer geek movie Hackers. Can anyone tell me what what hockey jersey she is wearing? No. In a scene of Hackers, what, what hockey jersey is she wearing? Is she wearing it the whole way through the film? Was it? I. I, I, I the, the details as I was writing it across, and I was going to change this, change this all together. But anyway, she's a fan of the New Jersey Devils. Oh, my, of course. My question was oh. actually going to be: Angelina Jolie wears the New Jersey Devils top in which 1995 uh, film about computers? So, uh, so... <laughs> that might have been slightly easier. <laughs> well, well, the question is: Do you know a 1995 film about computers that Angelina Jolie in, and she was wearing hockey? <laughs> <laughs> Even if it would have been like, can you name a hockey team? <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, anyway, in the 1986 Rob Lowe uh, film, Young Blood, which badass action nowadays, badass action star, was a supporting role uh, because he was good at hockey? I mean, I barely remember Rob Lowe for a start, let alone the film. But it's um... Ryan Reynolds. I mean, he's Canadian. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a big dog lover. Big dog. Tom Hardy loves dogs. Patrick Stewart. Because <laughs> it's short. No, Keanu Reeves. All right. Anyway, the rest of these questions, I haven't put enough uh, things together to make it actually good for people who are in England who don't know anything about ice hockey. So. Unless you can tell me anything about Sega films about the NHL, or you know which hockey star from the Blackhawks um, managed to have his own donut shop in Wayne's World. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, so I think the answer is no. So, sorry. Wayne Gretzky, that's the only sort of famous hockey, hockey player star. I've heard of. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't even know who he was. Anyway, the quiz hasn't turned out as good as I thought it was going to it was turn great. out. I, it was, I enjoyed that, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. No questions about Kate Russell's hockey film Miracle, though. No, no questions <laughs> in here, but I hadn't reworded it enough to make it make it useful. So it wouldn't have uh, it wouldn't have been it would have been just as good as the uh, what name appears on the back of Clark Rickford's <laughs> jersey in National Lampoon's Christmas. So, I, I, did, I did I did see when I was doing some research that it was voted as the most realistic hockey film out of the seven films that they've made about hockey. <laughs> I think, I think number two was Jack Frost, where Michael Keaton as a snowman plays hockey. <laughs> Mighty Ducks, was that three? No, well, I was hoping that Mighty Ducks would be up there because that was going to be part of my argument, but it wasn't <laughs> in the slightest bit. Uh, it gets a lot of mentions in the reviews of, of people who fondly remember Pee Wee Hockey that this was exactly how I remembered it, but I, I doubt that highly. <laughs> that it's massively accurate for uh, Pee Wee Leagues. Anywho, sorry. Uh, back to uh, <laughs> time to deliver, right, Dave? No, thank you very much. I enjoyed that quiz. I, in the same way I enjoy like a David Fincher film. I haven't got a clue what was going on, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well done, Ozzy. Especially thinking on your feet there. 
Uh, okay, yeah, that has given me plenty of time to give this some consideration. The big thing about the Mighty Ducks, uh, especially to millennials such as ourselves, is that it's a nostalgic thing. One of the first things, as you said, straight out of the gate was the nostalgia element. That's why he chose this. There's a sentimentality that goes hand in hand with the Mighty Ducks. It's why Cat was such a big fan of it. And I kind of skipped that because I didn't watch this as a kid. This is a film that kind of passed me by as a child. I, it was, it, It's in the last five, six years I watched this for the first time. So I missed out on this as a kid. So I did miss out on a lot of that nostalgia. And it's like, you, you got to take that into account that when people talk about this film fondly, there is that element of sentimentality that can creep in. But you've got to break it down and look at the parts here. So Alex was saying that, you know, there's a lot of subplots that weren't necessary, uh, which I think he's right, to be honest, from the sounds of it. Uh, Alex also said that things needed pointing out and spelling out a bit more, uh, whereas Gav said you don't need to be spoon-fed. So I'll give I'll give both uh, points some consideration there. Alex said there's a, a quite a, a sour message about, you know, you're only happy if you're winning sort of side, which I thought Gav actually counted very well. Um, I don't think that is the message of the film from what Ozzy and Gav told me. So I think, I think they got, they weaseled out of that one. And the things that it kept coming back to was like paint by numbers. I heard quite a bit. I heard formulaic quite a bit. And these would be problems. Um, but then Gav kind of spun that on its head when he used the phrase ticking the right boxes. Yeah, it is formulaic to a degree, but I think in the same respect, it is a kid's film. Let's not get carried away and think this is supposed to be some new engaging sort of revelationary film. Um, it doesn't need to be that suspenseful, even if the ending is predictable, as long as it's entertainment, as long as it's a good ride. And you've got those elements of slapstick, like Ozzy said, you've got these bits that work together, uh, like the score, the costumes, some decent performances. There wasn't really much criticism of the cast. So I'm trying to weigh all that up against the sentimentality that goes with this film. And, you know, it sounds to me like it doesn't take any chances. And, you know, but I think young kids will be kept amused. I'm not sure anyone else would be. So. But what I've got to think here is, even if you remove the nostalgia from it, is there enough here that gets this a pass? And I'm going to say yes. I think it sounds like an amiable film. I think its heart is in the right place, even if not everything fell into place at the right time in the right way. Uh, I wouldn't look at it too critically, which kind of goes against what we've tried to do in this episode. But I think it serves its purpose. I think it achieves what it's set out to do. And I think this is an enjoyable film. Not a great film. Uh, but an enjoyable film. And if you watched it as a kid, I'm sure you won't hear a bad word said against it. Thank you very much, Dave. Very well summed up, as always. And I think you've summed up essentially guilty pleasure season there to say that <laughs> it might not be a good film, but it's an enjoyable film. <laughs> so, honest opinions then. Ozzy, was it as good as you remembered? It was, yeah. It's it very... Opening scenes, though, I remember like it came up and it's like really slow-mo shots. And I thought, oh, fuck, what have I set myself up for here? Mm-hmm. And then it, and then it cuts in and actually I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was going to be absolute dog shit. Uh, and then, yeah, I loved it. It was great. Part of it was the nostalgia, remembering back and thinking, oh, yeah, this is actually the scene that I bought some roller. You know, that was what I, that went on my Christmas list, some rollerblades. Went to D side. We did. Um, we actually went ice skating, and that's. Uh, yeah, loved it. Wanted to join. Wanted to join an ice hockey team. Realised that D side is you know an hour and a half away. You'd have to go twice a week, and uh, everyone was twice the size of me. Probably get hurt. 
so <laughs> for basically figure skating. It's nice to dream, though, <laughs> isn't it? No. And then, luckily but, yeah. enough, you you then might or might not have watched Gattaca, and that that helped you too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's got to be a love of photography safest, and safe for the hobby. Yeah. So no, I actually well, I actually can ice skate, and it actually was because of this uh, this film. So yeah. Well, th- thank you very much, Ozzy. My genuine opinion, yeah, nostalgic for me. I loved this as a kid. It really took me back to a happy place, sitting on my couch and just watching films, which is what I spent most of my childhood and adulthood doing. <laughs> and, uh, and similar to Ozzy, I, when I, I saw this film, it really started me off on my path of enjoying gin. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and yeah, as you said, Dave, it is a bit corny and it's a bit cheesy. By today's standards, maybe it doesn't hold up as an amazing film, but it's enjoyable. And I think that anybody who grew up watching this, as you said, won't have a bad word said about it because it harks back to a, a happier time. <laughs> so yeah, re- really enjoyed it. Alex? Uh, I didn't watch it as a kid and I think it's 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 quite good um, watching it back. So I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm not distraught that it's that the Mighty Ducks has gone on the uh, <laughs> gone on the hit list. Uh, we, we should collate that. We should collate the hit list. We so should. We should. We should. We really shouldn't. We shouldn't. We're not going to lie. What we say. I, I, I have collated the hit list, and it is. Have you? Yeah, it's eclectic. It's it, it's, it's very worrying reading. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, no, I, I think it's I think it's good, but I think if it had like let let go some of the loose plots strings around and about and focused on a bit more of it, it could have been great. Like the Mighty Tooks could be a great film, and uh, I just think it's a little bit of a shame that I'm not really that bothered and emotionally invested by the end. And I think with just a little bit of tweaking on the story, just a little bit of taking some stuff out and taking a bit more time on other stuff, like the relationship with the mom and all of that stuff. I think that I think the Mighty Ducks could be a really good. Oh yeah. Whereas, yeah, I don't know. You know, if I have kids, I'm not sure if I'd be like, oh yeah, you, you know, yeah, we'll watch the Mighty Ducks. I, I don't think it quite gets into that that level. Whereas, you know, something like I don't know, Hawk or something, you, you're probably going to watch that at some point. It's just a classic. Mighty Ducks doesn't enter into that classic for me. But then I didn't watch it as a kid, so. Well, thank you very much, Alex. And just quickly before we call it a day higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was 1995's Backdraft, which scored 75% and 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's both critical and audience. I actually looked at it and was very confused at the, at the scores <laughs> and the ducks. So I, I'm, I'm going to pass out because it was just... Very, I I'm haven't very looked awful. at the score. I think mm. lower. I think it must be lower on both. I haven't looked. That's a critical, definitely lower. Um, audience maybe higher? I, I would have thought that as well, Dave, to be honest. But yeah, audience is slightly lower, 65%. Mm. And critical is very much lower, 23%. <laughs> wow. 23%. Honestly, like I just think that there's just a lot of bitter, yeah. joyless, older, joyless yeah. Critics I'm, who watch this in 1992. Joyless, but even for me, that's like, that is low. Yeah. Like, no, it's, come on. It's, it's at the end of the day, it is a kid's film. You know, it, like it, maybe they should have asked their kids or children in their life what they thought and then put that in the review. Are they, but, are they review critics reviews from, from release when it came out? Or so they... a lot of them are from 1992. Yeah. But then yeah. obviously there will be some subsequent reviews as well. Yeah, I, d- yeah. I, I think critics today would have a much kinder view of it, to be honest. Yes. Well, they, they no, probably see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so that is it. That is the conclusion of our guilty pleasures season. I think overall, most of them have been hits. I can't for life of me remember because it's been that long since we fucking started it. But yeah, more, more hits than shits, I will say. What, but... what I'm hearing is we've got nothing to feel guilty about. <laughs> I don't feel guilty about anything and not just films. <laughs> so yeah, thank you very much, guys, for picking your films. I've had a great time. And thank you very much for all your arguments as well. And thank you to everybody who has listened to this episode, to all the episodes in our Guilty Pleasure season and to any other episodes you might listen to. If you want more Films on Trial content, check out filmsontrial.co.uk. You can catch us on any podcasting platform and follow us on all the socials at Film Trials on Twitter and Films on Trial on everything else. So in two weeks' time, we're going to start with our new season. And as we are approaching October, we are going to do another horror season. But we thought, uh, horror's too broad. We've just we've done Halloween horror months time and time again. What we want to do is go really, really niche. So we have decided to start a season on 1970s Deep South slasher horror season. That's right. We're going to have 1970s <laughs> Deep South slasher horror season. Well, it was going to be ice-related horror uh, following the Mighty Ducks to lead on from that. We could have had Jack Frost. Uh, I'm sure there's, there's others Fantasy there as well. There's others, Fantasy yeah. Slay, of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. So we're going to start off our new season with probably the best 1970s Deep South slasher horror, which is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Really looking forward to that one, guys. But what have we learned today? Well, Gordon Bombay was named after two brands of gin. And in the 1995 film Hackers, Angelina Jolie was, of course, wearing a New Jersey (laughs) Devil shirt. Idiot. But ultimately, The Mighty Ducks is a hit. And we're going to be deep in those ears in two weeks' time with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Goodbye. Like the lines between films is going to blur because you've seen so many of them and it will just become one big film. I don't think it'll ever happen. What I think will happen before then is that I will, like Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind, forget parts of my own life but still remember every single film that I've watched. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've, I've always imagined it like Gavel just you know, forget about reality and just think everything around him is it's just him watching a film. Like he'll see a horrendous car accident and just be like, hmm, didn't really phone in that stunt work this week. <laughs> <laughs>